This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Deanna Singh, the author of Purposeful Hustle, Direct Your Life's Work Towards Making a Positive Impact. Deanna Singh is an accomplished author, educator, business leader, and champion for marginalized communities. As the founder-in-chief, change agent of Flying Elephant, Deanna consults with individuals and companies that are looking to make a positive difference in the world. She is known for giving clients the tools and courage to imagine, activate, and impact the world as agents of change. A social entrepreneur at her core, Deanna is always at the forefront of social change. She has established and operated multiple social innovations, including the NYC office of Lyft, which helps people find a way out of poverty for good. Milwaukee's Street Law Program, an interactive legal program that has taught over a thousand Milwaukee students basic legal knowledge, and Birth Coach Milwaukee, which provides doula services for women who could otherwise not afford them. Singh earned her Bachelor of Arts in Urban Studies from Fordham University, a Juris Doctorate from Georgetown University, and a Master's in Business Administration from the University of Wisconsin-Madison. She is also the author of two children's books, I Am a Boy of Color and I Am a Girl of Color. Meet Deanna at DeannaSingh.com. Here is the interview with Deanna Singh. In your own words, who is Deanna Singh? Deanna Singh is someone who is motivated to help other people thrive. She loves being able to see people reaching their potential and seeing people in true spaces of joy. So before we talk about some of the topics in your book, Purposeful Hustle, Direct Your Life's Work Towards Making a Positive Impact, I have a few warm-up questions, as I mentioned, off record. So the first one for you is this one. What does it mean to be a human being, Deanna? I think the most important thing about being a human being is figuring out how you connect to other people. I think that is one of the things that makes us really unique is we not only connect, but we have the ability to be intentional about it. And so I think that one of the biggest things about being a human being is having intentional connection. What is life to you? Not what life is about, but what is life? What is this that's happening? 
when I think about life, it, it really is. So I, I define my purpose like very specifically as shifting power to marginalized communities. And when I think about life, what I think life is, is all of us have potential and all of us have power. And I think all of us have purpose. And one of the things that I spend a lot of time talking about, obviously I wrote the book, Purposeful Hustle, is what is your unique um, impact that you can have on the world? What is, And that's how I define purpose. What is your purpose? So mine is shifting power to marginalized communities. But for you, it might be something totally different. And for the people listening, it might be something totally different. But I think the essence of life is figuring out what that purpose is and then not just knowing it, right, but also acting in it, moving forward in it. What do you think is the opposite of life? What is the opposite of life? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great answer, too. <laughs> <laughs> Since you don't know, that sounds good to me, too. <laughs> what do you think is the ultimate purpose of the human experience as a whole, as humanity? I think that as we progress. And as we move forward, it's our opportunity, kind of coming back to the first thing that I said, it's our opportunity to figure out how to best connect with one another. You know, my my family used to, um, or my father used to always say this thing to me, and he, he said it in different ways throughout my life, but it was the essence of it was the same thing, that I should never go about measuring myself and my success in life by how well I'm doing but I should measure it by how those around me are doing. I don't know. I really take that sentiment to heart because when I think about like, what's our purpose here? Like as a human, it isn't about the self. It's about those around us, right? Like how we collectively are moving forward and progressing. And we can actually feel that even when we are happy and that we have everything or we think we have everything and then we see others around us suffering we're not happy as happy anymore. I mean, it happens to me all the time. So that makes so much sense that we are all connected. That goes back to that principle. What is joy to you? And how is joy different from happiness? I think joy is a consistent state that you choose. And happiness is about how we respond to things. I am a very joyful person. Even in my like most challenging, sad, awful moments, I still maintain a pretty high level of joy. And that is because I choose to be in that space. And not only do I choose to be in that space, but I'm, I actively push myself in that space. Happiness. I'm also naturally a very happy person too, but that's like, you know, when my husband makes my favorite cake and, uh, you know, <laughs> and so those, the happiness can be fleeting, right? It can, it can come, come and go. Um, it's like a response to things, whereas joy is consistent. Yeah. It's a choice we make. I like that. Um, I think I heard from somebody else saying that joy is something that cannot be pursued. It just comes to us. It's the same as inspiration, but in a way you're saying that we can choose to be joyful. I agree. You know, another, I don't know, my dad, he's just really on my mind right now, but one of the things I love that he says every day, every time I see my father, how was your day? God has never made a bad day, Deanna. Mm. And he said it to me on some of like the hardest days, right? The hardest days we've experienced. God has never made a bad day. Today was a good day. And it's him actively making a choice about where 
he's going to hold his joy. Yeah, I agree because also the state of gratitude brings joy and we can choose to be grateful. So they're connected. Yeah. What do you love most about being a woman? I don't have anything that I don't love about being a woman, (laughs) but I have to say that one of the things that I really, really appreciate, and I'm really grateful that I had the opportunity to be able to uh, do myself, but also to coach people through. So I'm a doula. So I, I provide birth and labor support during, uh, before, during, and after, after birth and being able, and I have two children, uh, two children myself that I, that I carried in my own body. And the ability to be able to do that was just amazing. And I, I, ever since I was a little girl, always wanted to be a mom. Like I always wanted to be able to provide the kind of loving comfort and support that I got from my own mother to somebody else to be able to pass on that legacy. And I don't know. So, so being able to hold a child in my womb is pretty amazing. So do you think we women who choose not to have children, we're missing something? (laughs) Oh, no, absolutely not. Like, I think here's the thing. Like, I have so many people in my life who have been a mother figure. And so even though I birthed a child right through my body, it doesn't and can impact the child in, in that way. It doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, you know, somewhere in the spectrum of, of, you know, it doesn't really matter. That doesn't impact whether or not you can give life and breathe life into somebody else's life. I physically loved having a child. You know what I mean? I, I, yeah. And I had a really hard pregnancy too, but that goes back to that, like deciding to be joyful, right? Like yeah. I had really tough pregnancies and I had three miscarriages. So like, I also had the, the loss part, right. Of, of what it feels like to have that ability in my body, both being able to, and, and, and not being able to. And so I think that in both respects, the, that, yeah, for me personally, that was really awesome. What is the most challenging aspect about being a woman, in your opinion? I think that we as a culture, and I'm saying culture really loosely, right? Like just as a society, as a human race, that we have done things to the human body and not just women, right? Uh, There's a lot of marginalized communities that we have given different levels of value to that are inappropriate. And I liken this to the way that we have dollar, dollar bills, right? And we have money. I tell my children this all of the time. Money is paper. It is literally, at its core, it is just green paper. At least here in the United States, it's green paper. The minute I decide as a human being that I do not want to attribute any value to that green paper, the value disappears. The value only exists because I have signed, like I've, I've, I've signed basically an agreement that I am going to comply with everybody else's notion of what the value is that's been ascribed to that dollar bill. Does that make sense? Very much. Yes. So I have signed a social contract. I've signed a social contract, right? In saying that this is something I'm going to hold up. In many ways, I think when we think about the body, when we think about relationships, when we think about um, power and privilege, we have signed a social contract that puts some people, for whatever reason, right, whatever reason they're being pushed to the margin, that gives them a different kind of value. And so I think one of the hardest things about being a human, not even just being a woman, but being a human, 
is understanding your own value and being able to hold to that, even if the current, even if the social contract uh, has described something different to you. My next question is about freedom. What is the meaning of freedom to you? What is to be free? I think that freedom is something that happens in our mind. Freedom is when you have a strong sense of who you are, what your purpose is. You're not willing to be held back by waiting for somebody else to give you permission to do things, by, again, some of these social contracts that exist, by other people's definitions, by the story of your, maybe your past. So I think freedom is when in your mind you are so comfortable with with who you are and what it is that you have been called to do that you have let go of that worry. Do you connect freedom somehow to inner peace? Absolutely. I think it is. I don't think that it's something that can be taken away from you if you have that inner peace. At this time, what do you think is the world's greatest need? And do you have a vision for a new reality? I think the greatest need right now is how we increase our understanding of empathy. I think that so often when change happens, when genuine heart change happens, when genuine like mind shift happens, right? When our actions start to change, our behavior changes, that that is so rooted in empathy. And unfortunately, sometimes we have to wait for very painful, really tragic events in order to understand or get that comfort level with empathy. And so I think if there was one thing that I thought, I don't think it's one thing, right? But if there was one thing that I could say, hmm, let's invest in that, <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's go ahead. And if we could just like get it right, right? I think that would be, I think that would certainly be one of them. Because I don't know how a person can see someone else in pain and genuinely see someone else in pain and have a sense of what that pain means and walk away. And that might be naive of me, but I, I believe that's true. What is love to you, Deanna? What is love to me? You know, I used to think that love was a, about being loved, right? I used to think about it from the perspective like, oh, love is how people treat you. It's kind of like things that happen to you. And now what I realize is that love is what you do to others. Like love is what you pour out. It's your ability to give somebody, to fill something in somebody else that they didn't even know was missing. Do you believe in unconditional self-love? You know, when you asked that question, the question it reminded me of was the question around freedom. I think if you, I, I would probably liken it to that, right? That if you get to a place where you have that inner peace and you have that freedom, then you probably have gotten to unconditional love. So do I think it exists? Absolutely. Am I there yet? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> do I strive for that? Yes, right? I do. Because independent do, independent of what titles I have, independent of all the things, right? There's something about us that's just about us. 
and being here and having the privilege of this moment and these experiences and these opportunities to connect with people that makes makes being a human a, a pretty cool and unique thing. And so why wouldn't we try to strive for that unconditional love? Right. What, where, and who is God to you? So you were just going to give me easy questions, right? Uh, So tell me again, what, who, and where is God? Yeah, what, where, and who is God, right? Any order. I think God is everywhere. I think God is manifested in the way that we treat one another. I believe very, very strongly in there being a God. I believe very strongly that we can't, that there is divinity in every moment, in every smile, in every laugh. I pray pretty much consistently all day long. (laughs) So when I think about God, I think of God as omnipresent. I think of God as between us, inside of us, in our thoughts, and in, in everything that we see, that we do, the way that things happen. So what is God everything? Where is God everywhere? That's profound, yeah. When you think about even the horrors and the difficulties of life, if we are able to see God behind everything, that might be the most profound yeah, way of understanding life, right? Beautiful. And I've had situations in my life where, you know, you have these questions where you're like, how, if there's a God, how could God let this happen? And I think that what I've learned, right, and I I had to learn this through tragedy, but I think that what I've learned is that that's part of understanding God, is that journey of being able to, even in some of the most horrific moments, still see God's presence. That that, you know, has helped, I feel like, bring me closer to what is God and how and the power of God. But I I don't, oh, I really want to be clear on this point before I get off this conversation with you. I think that our goal is to strive after understanding God, but I don't think that I do. And it gives me hope and it inspires me. I don't see it as scary. It gives me hope and it inspires me that I have so much left to learn about God and how I get closer to God. Do you think that Everything that happens, good or bad, they all have a purpose. Yes, I do. Yeah, me too. Wonderful. How did you become a writer, Deanna? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I feel like I've been writing my whole life. And when people still to this day, even though my books have now been out for, I guess, uh, almost five years now, um, you know, people will say, oh, the author. And I look around like, who are they talking to, right? I'm still getting used to the idea. I, I have such a love and appreciation for people who are writers and who are authors. I'm still super humbled to be able to be even kind of amongst them. So how did I start writing? I feel like I've always wrote, um, but I actually ended up becoming an author because I really wanted to get out uh, this children's book that focused on positive images of children of color. So my first book was a children's book called I'm a Boy of Color. And I just felt strongly that we needed to have more representation of children of color in our literature. That was your first book, right? And the one that we are talking today is The Purposeful Hustle. What was the inspiration and the intention of writing this book? Sure. So I wrote Purposeful Hustle after I wrote uh, the first two children's books. And the reason why I wrote the book is because I felt like, you know, in kind of of 20 years worth of being in roles and responsibilities and kind of 
tracking out this crazy but awesome career path um, that I had so many people who were reaching out to me and saying, I really want to do something that's more meaningful. I want to take my time and my talents, my passions, and I want to be able to have an impact in the world, but I don't know how to do this. And just by chance, you know, mostly I fell into that being a core principle of everything that I did. I think because I learned and I had such a strong understanding of my purpose early in life, I was able to just do that over and over and over again. And that's why people came out and they were reaching out to me. And honestly, the book came because I didn't have the capacity for all the people who were reaching out. So I was like, you know what? There's got to be a more effective way, an efficient way for me to share all the mistakes that I've made and the things that, you know, have worked out, have worked out. And so the book was really like a act of service um, for people who are reaching out to me. Talk to me for a moment about the Flying Elephant Foundation. Sure. So the foundation is actually run by my two children. They are now eight and 11 years old. And what they do is for all of the children's books that we publish, they take the pro- uh, the profits and they redistribute them to organizations that focus on also creating positive images of children of color. So what we try to do is just make sure that not only are we trying to change the narrative, but they were also lifting up, uplifting, right? Other organizations that really are also engaged in similar work. What is purpose and how is it different from passion? So when I think about purpose, I do think that it passion is a component of purpose. You know, passion is things that, you, you know, you really love doing, that you're really into. I think that that helps you understand what the purpose is. But I think purpose is bigger than passion because you can have a lot of different passions, right? And they can be very different. You might have a passion for for whale watching and you might also have a passion for you know, Microsoft Excel. I mean, they could be very different, right? Like two sides, two sides of these things. But how do you position yourself to be able to effectuate change? Um, And what are you like uniquely positioned to do in the world? So when I think about passion, when you see those things like, oh, I really, you know, enjoy whale watching and I really love Excel. Well, maybe your purpose is trying to figure out how to better track Right. And come up with better data systems that would allow for more whales to survive. Oh, right. Wow. So that's a, that's a very like simple kind of whatever. Mm-hmm. But yeah, things can really build together to think about what your purpose is, because then it, your purpose is about what are your skills? What's your history? What's your past? What are your passions? And how do those things culminate in a way that allows for you to identify your purpose? How did you discover your purpose? Do we have just one purpose in life? So I think that purpose is an ever-evolving thing, you know, and that for me, my purpose has stayed very similar. It's changed over time. The way I describe it has changed over time, but it has not, but in no way have I really, right? So even though it's like how I've talked about it has changed, I, I still am in the same, I'm in the same lane. And for me, it was just answering those questions. What am I uniquely positioned to do? What am I really passionate about? What are my skills? What's the history that I bring to this? Um, and, and where do those things align? I guess I wanted to ask, how do we know for sure when we are living our purpose? What does it feel like? I think when you're living your purpose, uh, you wake up with that joy, 
right? You're excited about what you're doing, even if it's really hard work, <laughs> right. even if it's really stressful, <laughs> even if right. you're kind of bad about it, right? Like you still are like, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I think that it requires some testing, right? I And in the book, I talk about uh, different ways that you can test it, testing it with your own gut, testing it with your calendar, testing it with people who are in your support network and people who love and care about you, testing it, right? There's many different ways that you can that you can test it. And I think it requires practice. One of the tests that you have in your book called my attention, the uh, intuitive test. Yes. Talk to me for a moment about this one, this kind of test. So that really is about like, how, how do you feel? Feelings. What, what does it feel like when you talk about your purpose? What does it feel like when you write about your purpose, when you dream about your purpose, right? What, what, is, what is your internal systems telling you about it? Because, you know, we, we live in a world where we are constantly being told what we're supposed to think and do and all. And sometimes we don't make the space for that kind of self-reflection. So it's really about being self-reflective. And I'm also wondering if you separate somehow feelings from emotions. I think that they are different, but I don't know how I would distinguish them. You know, I think... Uh, maybe emo- I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. But I, I do feel like they are different. Like when I think about them, I think about them slightly different. I'm trying to think about why, why I do. I think feelings are much more about perhaps like what's happening in the moment. Mm. And emotions are more, maybe more so like over time and in reflection. But yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure that that's right. But I, I'm trying to think about why I have that distinction in my mind. And you also talk about the uh, purpose statement. How do we do that, Deanna? In the book, I give some, you know, some pretty clear examples about how you do it, but it does start with some self-reflection. So there's a number of questions that are in there that really, that really get at the idea of self-reflection and how you start to hone in on it. But that's the first step. I think you give also some um, practices and reflection is one of them, meditation, prayer, journaling. Are these all the same for you or are some practices more effective than others? These are not all the same for me. I listed all of them because I wanted people to see that there's many different ways to do self-reflection. I do not know how to meditate. I shouldn't say I don't know how. I know how to. I'm not great at it. But it is a skill that I'm really, really, still really, really hard, trying hard uh, uh, to put into my practice. But I, I wanted to mention all of them because there's no one way or right way to do it. For some people, journaling is really effective. For some people, meditation is really effective. For some people, prayer is really effective. You know, for some people, uh, talking is really effective. So just to show that it, it, there isn't a one size fits all, but understanding what yours is is important. Mm, yeah. What are the consequences to live without purpose? It makes me so sad. You know, I talk to a lot of people at different stages of their lives. And one of the things that I, I will often get called about is when people feel like they don't have purpose. And if they're older in their life, like it's just, it's really hard. It's really hard for them to kind of come to that realization. But what we always try and leave the conversation with or the coaching with or whatever it is that we do together, if you know that, you can change that. That there's never, it's never too late to come to your purpose. How can we grow older without knowing, without having an idea of what we are doing here? That is an interesting experience to me. I have been there. Although I knew what my purpose was, I was I didn't have the courage to live it. It's different in a way. Some people, they actually don't know. So I'm wondering what gets in the way 
Do you have some ideas? I think that uh, just our own fear. I think that uh, ascribing to what other people want from us, right? That, that, that that's another reason why it happens. I think that because we're not often taught how to do reflection, so we don't get to that spot and people, you know, live their life without doing it. I think, I mean, there's lots of reasons why it happens. What is hustle to you and why is it important in life? So hustle is all about how you, um, if, if purpose is why you show up, hustle is how you show up. And why is how we show up important? Because, uh, you know, it's one thing, like I tell people this all the time, there are people who, as you just mentioned, right, where you can know what your purpose is, but not do anything right. with it. And so I think that you, it's important to have the purpose, but it's also important to actually put it into action. You mean acting upon our purpose? That's what it matters because most of us are just doing a lot of things that has nothing to do with purpose, really, of our own purpose. Is that what you mean? I do cuz you know I think that I I think that being a human being is important like we are beings. We're not human doings, right? We're human beings. Um but we do things. <laughs> so we're human beings yeah, that do things, right? And so when you are doing things that are outside of your purpose, then you're not moving things you might not be moving the right things forward. So that's what I mean when I talk about hustle is how do you get past those obstacles that are in your way and actually move forward in those spaces? What would you say to those who don't have the courage? So I would say, read the book. <laughs> right. Good advice. And not, not, and not because I'm trying to promote the book, but because I do think that there's a series of things in all four of these characteristics that you really want to be able to spend some time, you know, looking at and understanding and going deeper in. So what are some key attributes every purposeful hustler needs? I mentioned them before. Would you like to expand on that, Tiana? Sure. So, you know, I, I talked about those four characteristics because I realized that if you could practice those four things, there's no real perfection in them. But if you could practice courage, if you could practice, you know, being in all four of those spaces, what you really get to at the other end of it is you really get to a place where you can kind of live in your purpose and you don't have an excuse anymore. And when you get stuck, you know how to get out of it. And so that for me is one of the like critical components is just being able to be in a space where you can say, yeah, I, these, oh, there comes another challenge. Oh, 2020, you want to do that? Okay. Well, it's okay because I know who I am and I know where I'm headed and I know how to get there. Mm, I love that idea Yeah, of knowing not being afraid of making mistakes, messing up, because we know the way back. Right. And when you do, being able to be gracious with yourself, right? Because, because you have a pathway back. Right. Yeah, I love this idea. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? Um, I, I define my success in watching other people thrive. So if I can be just a little part of that, then I'm okay. That's how I measure my success. So when someone says, I heard you speak, I read the book, I read a book to my child, I made this big decision because I really wanted to, you know, move something forward, like any of those things, that's where I feel like, okay, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself as of today? Oh my goodness. I feel like 
if you'd asked me that question, like, what was the hardest thing I learned about myself today? That might have been easier <laughs> <Yeah>. because, <laughs> because I feel like every day I'm, I'm learning new things about areas where I could, I could really grow. I think one of the things that I've learned that's really important is to, and I think it's especially important for people who are trying to live purposeful lives, is to be kind to yourself. I think I spend a lot of time, or I spent a lot of time, especially when you're doing social justice work, right? Like there, sometimes the wins are far and few in between and it can feel so heavy and it can feel so big. And it's hard, it's easy to think like, ah, oh, I can't really do anything. Is anything really going to change? And, and I think this happens to us as we get older too, right? Like I remember somebody once told me, well, Deanna, that's too big of a dream. Like that's not going to happen in your lifetime, but that doesn't mean that you can't can't do it. And I resented her for saying that to me because I didn't think it was her place to tell me what I could or couldn't achieve. Right. And I didn't think it was her place to, to, to like put, I don't know, put such an ominous, like negative <laughs> tone on what could, on what could be possible. Because at one point everybody said everything was impossible and then it became possible and nobody really, really knew when that, you know, when that was going to change. And so, and I, I say her as if it happened one time, but it's happened so many times in my career and in my life. But I think that I often felt like it was my fault that things weren't moving fast enough, that if I could just think about, you know, what, so that hasn't changed. I still believe that big change can happen in my lifetime and I'm going to hold on to that. Even some of the most things that people are like, oh, that couldn't, we couldn't eliminate poverty. Well, you know what? I'm going to keep working as if we could, Mm -hmm. as if before I died, we we did, Mm -hmm. we do. But um, what's the point in not being audacious, right? But I have to recognize that if it didn't happen today, it's not my fault, right? And and I can't, it doesn't do me any good to harbor that feeling. It doesn't make me stronger for tomorrow. It makes it harder tomorrow. So recognizing like where, yeah, recognizing that it's okay to be like gracious with myself. Like, hey, did you do your best today, Deanna? Did you try and shift power to marginalized communities? Are you using your platform and your voice? If you are, then okay. If you're not, then I need to give myself a talking to. But if I am, then I, then it's okay. It's time to go to sleep. And tomorrow we're going to try again. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing, leaving the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I kiss my kids an obnoxious amount right now, but I would become even more obnoxious about it because, and my husband too, I feel so fortunate to be, have those men in my life. And I would want to use as much of my breath as possible to communicate that to them. So I think that that's, I think I do it a lot now, but if I had some kind of uh, really concrete time stamp, that's where I would put more of my energy. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? I know that there's a God. I know that when I ask for help from God, I receive it. And I know that as long as I stay focused on my purpose, that I will be able to do some good in the world. Yes, a thousand times. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your wisdom. And thank you for everything you do, your mission and your purpose, Deanna. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this time. This was really like a very refreshing opportunity to be able to do some reflection too. So one of the things I say in the book is one of my favorite ways to reflect is through my mouth. Uh, (laughs) It is, right? (laughs) So thank you. Thank you for that opportunity. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? 
Sure. So a couple of places. One um, on my website, which is Deanna, D-E-A-N-N-A, Sing, S-I-N-G-H.com. There you'll find information about all the things that I'm working on and all the different projects. If you're specifically interested in some of the diversity, equity, and inclusion work, then you would go to upliftingimpact.com. And if you just want to connect and kind of stay posted on what's going on, the best place to do that is on LinkedIn. Thank you so much again, Deanna, and we'll talk soon. Okay, fantastic. (laughs) Thank you. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Deanna Singh and her work, please visit DeannaSingh.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. I want to thank the Patreon members, Lawrence McGrath, Mark Basden, Terry Clayton, and Aidan Vickrock. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now. Mm-hmm.